Welcome to the English Montreal School Board Podcast. My name is Barry Morgan, and on this podcast, you will hear from people within the EMSB community and beyond, people who work very hard to make this board the choice of thousands of families. You'll hear from various experts and from other people who will share their inspiring experiences with the EMSB. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this EMSB podcast. And on this broadcast, we are talking about a subject that's important to the entire EMSB community, students, teachers, administrators, parents as well, consultants. We are talking about sexuality education, which some of you may know is going to be in schools very, very shortly across the EMSB. It's government mandated. It will be law as of the new year. So in other words, in January of 2019, students with in the English Montreal School Board from grade from kindergarten all the way through grade 11 will be taught sexuality education and with me are several people including Jamie Quinn who is a sexuality education consultant Jamie thanks for joining us thank you also social studies teacher at Lester B Pearson High School here in Montreal North where we're recording this podcast is Paul Kerpontinus and also students we have two students with us as well Zoe Heffring who is in uh, secondary five 16 year old student good to see you Zoe and Amaya Celie Lepage who's in sec three she's 14 years old and my first question is for the students we're talking about sexuality education Zoe I'll start with you are you happy to know that this will be part of your education going forward? I am extremely happy with this. Um, I feel as if it's been far too long where sexual education has been something that's not explored enough in our schools, that is not um, deeply enough uh, unraveled and really gone into. I find what happens is that a lot of kids are questioning themselves and their identities and their sexuality and they really have no outlet at school and there's not a sense, a real sense of like safety and comfort in you know who they are all the time and I think that if we start earlier normalizing this you know and if we start earlier making this a topic that everybody can feel comfortable talking about we can actually get change. I think change starts with education. Amaya, do you feel the same way? It's Amaya. Amaya. <laughs> and yes, I really do. As someone who has personally had a lot of experience with sexuality, I really am happy that there's some sort of education program that teaches us about what to feel about sexuality and how to actually react to it. Because when I came out as lesbian, I didn't have anyone to turn to in school environment. I had my parents who were very accepting, but I didn't have anything in school to tell me what was, what I should do with my sexuality, right? So because of that, I had a lot of problems being lesbian. It was stuff like not knowing how to reciprocate my feelings with people, not knowing how to properly form a relationship, stuff like that. And it feels good to know that there will be an education program that tells me what a healthy relationship is, how to form one, mm -hmm. what it means to be lesbian, stuff like that. All right. How do you find, and we're going to get to Jamie and, uh, and Paul in just a second, how do you find the reception has been as open as you are? Do you find people are accepting? Yes, people are very accepting. I feel that because of the sacrifices of previous generations, we live in a time where most people are accepting of sexuality, especially the young generation. Mm -hmm. Everyone has an idea that sexuality does not really categorize you as something 
forbidden or something weird. Okay, I want to bring in Jamie, who was uh, nodding her head as she heard both of you. Two really well-spoken young women here. Uh, Jamie, just maybe a couple of quick thoughts on what you just heard. Uh, I think it's amazing to be 14 and to be able to be very open. You know, uh, sexuality uh, education has been so taboo for a very long time where, you know, people were scared to come out. Um, and we're, we're afraid to talk about these kinds of things. So it's really nice and I'm glad to know that you can be comfort, comforted um, in talking about it. Um, with this new program, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that students are, you know, are, are excited for it to come because they do question themselves mm -hmm. all the time um, and don't know where to turn to. And sometimes, you know, at home, it's not really those comfort levels of parents that are able to talk about uh, sexuality with their with their child. So um, they need an outlet and they need to know who to talk to. And having some sort of formal education in the classroom is really going to be helpful for those students who are still struggling uh, with their sexuality. So I want to ask you, Jamie, just for practical purposes, I think you mentioned uh, 10 to 15 hours per year per yes. student. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So that will be in lieu of, let's say, will they be not doing science or math to have those hours available to them for sexuality? Not at all. And I'm going to correct myself because the 10 to 15 hours is actually for the secondary level. Okay. The, in, the elementary level is from 5 to 10 hours and secondary is 10 to 15 hours. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just a guideline, right? It's not going to be a specific class. Um, on sexuality, it's going to be incorporated into the subject areas um, where, you know, an ELA teacher could decide to do a book on sexuality instead of a book on um, on something else of their choice that they've done in the past. ELA would be English language arts? English language arts, yes, sorry. No problem. Um, as well as, you know, they could decide to put it into an ERC class, which is ethics and religious culture, right. or in a science class. So it's going to be incorporated into all the subject areas. Okay, I want to speak with Paul here for a second, who's a teacher at Lester B. Pearson <clears throat> High School. Just your feelings, Paul, first of all, knowing that this is part of the curriculum going forward. I think it, it's, it's really important that sexuality education is part of our curriculum. Uh, honestly, it was a big loss when it was removed from our curriculum. So I was uh, speaking to Jamie before she spoke to our students. When I started working here 14 years ago, uh, personal social development was part of the curriculum. It came out about 12 years ago. And really, it's been ad hoc since. So some teachers who are comfortable mm -hmm. have broached the subject. Science has, has talked about the, the mechanics and the, the biology of uh, sexuality education. Uh, but consent, relationship issues, gender issues, uh, sexuality, those, those have really been lacking. Jamie, can you give us an idea, because I suspect many parents and people in general have some questions that are not really sure how this is going to be handled on a practical level. So say kindergarten students. Mm -hmm obviously very, very young. So if a parent is concerned, what is my child or children going to be exposed to in terms of this, this program? Well, what will be taught? What is part of the curriculum for kinder, kids in kindergarten? And maybe we'll go through some of the older grades as well. Sure. So if we look at kindergarten, kindergarten, um, they're doing two themes. So it's uh, sexual growth and body image, which is just learning about their body parts, calling, uh, giving the names to all of your body parts mm -hmm. um, and then talking about feelings feelings and needs so it has nothing to do with sex per se it's actually having to do with who they are 
who, what their body is, whether they're a boy or a girl or, or, or neither. Um, it's just understanding the biological of what's on their body. None of the mechanics of... None of the mechanics okay. of where, what goes where okay. or nothing like that. Does that come into play as the kids get older? It does. Okay. Um, as, the, as that theme goes on, they start talking about their, um, their sexual organs and knowing what those are. So for a male, it would be the penis, and for a, a girl, it would be the vagina and the vulva, knowing what those are. When do you get to that point? That uh, is in grade two. Grade two, so that's okay. Grade okay. two, so they're seven, eight, seven years old, about. Okay, say grade five or six. Grade five or six, now they're going into talking about puberty, because these are the things that are happening in their bodies. They're talking about body changes, and they're seeing these changes that are happening in their bodies and they're understand they're trying to understand what is going on with me and mm -hmm. you know they're not all at the same level either you know there's some kids who are going through um, puberty at earlier ages and it's you know understanding why this is happening to me we're talking about the sexuality education program which will be uh, hitting schools in Quebec across the province as of the new year after the Christmas holidays. My name is Barry Morgan with guests Jamie Quinn, who is a sexual education consultant for the English Montreal School Board, Paul Carpentine, uh, you'll have to pronounce Carpentinus. it. Carpentinus, that's correct, is a teacher here at Lester Reed Pearson High School and with students Amea, Celie Lepage, and Zoe Heffring. Amea, based on what you've just heard, um, tell me a little bit of what, what you're thinking. I know you're, you're already uh, happy that this program is in place. I like hearing about what the program's going to be like. I actually have a younger sister who will experience more of the program than I will. And I feel really happy that my sister's going to have a program I didn't at that age because I feel like I really needed the program mm -hmm. in my life and I didn't have it. And I like knowing that people younger than me are going to have that opportunity and going to feel more comfortable with themselves. It's an interesting point uh, and because you're in grade nine, secondary three, you have three years of this education ahead of you. Zoe, you're graduating yeah, uh, in the spring. I, so. I think that's something that, I mean, I again, of course, I am thrilled that this is something that's going to be put into place. I have a younger sister as well and I know she's going to benefit from mm -hmm. this program. But it is frustrating, you know, that this wasn't something that you know, my grade and even the grade before me didn't get as much of. And I think especially, you know, there are different school environments. That's the thing too. Yes, youths in majority, I think a lot more of them accept and are open to different sexuality and gender. I know that face also has a very kind of open nature to it. Um, but the school I go to, you know, as much as I, I love it and I think it's fantastic, I think there are different kind of feelings and attitudes in a general whole where some kids might not feel as comfortable to talk about that. Sure. And I think there are still people who are derogatory and people who are insensitive simply because, you know, they didn't have this education and then, you know, you worry about, well, past high school, how are they going to learn about these things and will it be in a healthy way and will it be in a positive way? Right. Uh, is there, Jamie, is there an opt-out option? There is. Um, it's actually pretty complicated to get. There has to be specific reasons. So there's two reasons why par parents have to um, submit a form um, to the English Material School Board where um, if a child is going to be opted out of an activity or of the content in a classroom and can't be opted out for all of the entire program, 
um, if it was if, we, if it was going to cause psychological harm to that child to be in the classroom, then there is a possibility of opting out. The other option um, is it has to go against the the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Um, so you have to prove that it is something that could that could harm you um, by being in the classroom. So it's not just simply I choose to. I have my child not participating not in this. Uh, Paul, the teacher here at, uh, in this discussion, have you heard, what kind of reaction have you heard from the fact <clears throat> this will be part of the uh, education for the kids going forward? Are most parents, from what you, just basically what you've heard, happy about this or some saying, you know what, it's, this is something that should be taught in the home? Uh, you know, as, uh, as both a teacher and a parent, I think it's really important that the conversation happens in both places. Uh, but I, you know, I haven't heard anything negative. Our school's been doing a lot of things. Like just because sexuality education hasn't been uh, in the curriculum per se, obviously in some classes it's been going on. Our school has had some, some academic initiatives, but also like through some schools have gay straight alliances and there's, there, through ECAs, there, we've, there's been a push for it. Uh, I think in general, teachers have supported it. Uh, I know uh, our sexuality workshops that we offer once a year to sec five students, uh, parents have, have supported us on it. Okay. Uh, so I think they appreciate that it's important that the conversation happens here, even if uh, they also want to have the conversation at home, it doesn't negate that. What would you say to somebody who says, this really is not for the education system, it really should be a private matter between parents and or guardians and their children? And there are people who feel that way. <laughs> Maybe Jamie, you'd like to yeah. tackle that one? Um, well, it's, it's hard because, you know, there are parents who think that, you know, they want to keep them innocent, they want to keep their child innocent, or, um, but it, it really is, there are some parents who feel that it, it goes against their values by teaching it in schools, but at the end of the day, we are giving clear messages, we're giving facts, we're giving information, and it's guidance, helping students get through their lives by proving that healthy relationships and it doesn't matter whether it's a sexual relationship healthy relationships from a kindergarten perspective to a secondary five mm -hmm. you need to know what is appropriate yeah also oh, sorry. sorry no go ahead so you wanted to jump in then paul has a thought yeah really quickly i think the problem is is uh, in a situation like that i think what the parent needs to realize is that especially in this day and age we are like hyper exposed to everything it is not like we are being shielded in any way by you know them not teaching it to us in school. If anything, I think a parent who is a little bit more worried about what their kid's learning about sex should vouch for it in schools because they know at least in that way it's going to be regulated, it's going to be safe, and it, it's going to help their child in terms of their comprehension on what's happening around them, especially what they're getting from social media and what they're getting from their peers because there's definitely no shortage of that kind of talk in high schools. I would not want to be on the other end of a debate with you, uh, Zoe. <laughs> Let's put it, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, future litigator, maybe, so, I don't yeah, know. I'm on a debate team, actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm not funny. surprised. Yeah. Um, I, uh, go well, ahead, I was going to say that, well, yeah. I, I think uh, Zoe real nail really nailed it there. Uh, these conversations are happening already in the hallways, uh, and whether or not the parents want their children to be engaged in, in these topics, it's happening. And they're exposed to things online, whether they're seeking it out or if it's accidental, there's exposure there. So this is a safe space. Uh, where we could have those conversations and they should be continued on. So I think there should also be communication between what's going on in the schools with what's uh, with, with parents. Sure, and, and Jamie, let's face it, it's not as if children or 
teenagers are not sexually active. I don't know what the percentage is for, say, 14-year-olds or 15-year-olds, but there is obviously a part of those that population that is already engaging in sex. Absolutely. Um, they've, been ex- they've been exposed. Well, again, we talked about the media. They're exposed to so much of it. And mm-hmm. yes, they are progressively, they are um, starting to experiment in different things, you know, when they're 14, 15. But, you know, the average age is still 16 and a half years old that they are having their first sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Still um, in high school. They're still in high school. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Can you give us an idea of what would a grade eleven student like Zoe here in this uh, in sexual education? What what she what would be, be taught? Yeah. What will be taught? Yeah. Um, so they're again they're looking at being able to identify identify themselves, um, who they are, looking at gender stereotypes, um, looking at the media, talking about consent, um, looking at. Um, as sexual violence and sexual behaviors and knowing, you know, what is a healthy or unhealthy relationship and what, you know, even identifying when you are in an unhealthy relationship and knowing what to do um, if that's the case. So it's really not about the act itself. Not at it's all. It's really about issues surrounding sex and sexuality. Exactly. Okay. Amaya, what do you find has been the reaction from some of your friends and fellow students? Um, Everyone I've met has been very accepting of sexuality. My parents are extremely accepting of everything. Can you imagine what it would have been like had your parents not been as accepting I to you? I can't, honestly, because if I hadn't had my parents, I probably would have fallen apart because they were all I had during that time. And I luckily had parents who knew people who were gay and lesbian and had these experiences to help guide me Mm -hmm. in that way and support me and all of the people at school were very accepting of it as well and I didn't feel any qualms about revealing my sexuality and that made me feel really happy to live in the age I am. If it was a few years ago or 25 years ago or 50 years ago you're right things could have been potentially very different and maybe your parents back then would have felt differently as well. I mean, but you're very, like you said, you're very lucky to have very open-minded parents. Um, we're almost done here, guys, and I just want to wrap up by maybe touching on who will actually be teaching the courses, Jamie. So the classroom teachers, subject teachers, are responsible for the um, for the implementation of the program. However, if there are teachers who are not comfortable teaching certain topics or certain themes. There can be um, outside organizations, so community organizations that will come in, spiritual animators um, are going to be trained, a nurse, the uh, Sante Public are willing to come in as well. um, So that, you know, if that teacher is not comfortable, then it takes away from them, because you don't want to have people who are not comfortable teaching sexuality, teaching it. Okay, and maybe just a last thought from, we'll go around the table, Paul, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, I think it's a long time coming. Uh, also getting to advise the EMSB's uh, leadership students, the MSAC, it's something that students have been uh, advocating for for a few years, so I think it's about time. Okay, Zoe, last thought perhaps? Yeah, I think everything, like I said earlier, everything starts at education. I think the most results we're going to see is, 
you know, and what I'd like to see is starting from the kindergarten age, how do those kids kind of influence society and influence the world? Because sexuality is not just something that pertains to us in high school, but it's something that is so pertinent in our culture and the way we think and how we view gender roles and how we view other people. So I want to see what happens to those kindergartner kids who go all the way through the education system with this program in place and see how culture shifts and see how those attitudes change. We'll have to wait a few years, nevertheless. (laughs) Something to look forward to. I, again, I feel it's a long time coming. Yeah. It's something that my mom always told me that she really thought we needed in schools. My mom always talked about that and how the education program, especially when it comes to sexuality and any kind of thing about who you are as a person was very limited and there was almost nothing in education and that I think it's important because we spend a good chunk of our lives learning in schools and that is a place made to learn. We should be able to learn everything about what what our lives are and what we'll need in order to move on. That's the purpose of education. Well said, Jamie. Amazing. Well, we live in such a, a diverse and especially living in Montreal, you know, we live in this such a diverse uh, and multicultural, um, you know, and it's really important to get it from all views. You know, I think what what's really important is that parents realize that, yes, it, sexuality education starts at home, but it's also a place where kids are, again, like you said, most of the time of their lives, they're in a classroom, right? So having it in a formal way with teachers who are experts, who know the kids, who are, um, you know, know when it's time to ask questions. You know, it's a really important place um, to start sexuality education. Perfect, that's Jamie Quinn, sexuality education consultant for the English Montreal School Board with Paul Carpontinus, a teacher here at Lester B. Pearson High School and our, our special guest students, Zoe Heffring and Amea Seely Lepage. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you for listening to this installment of the English Montreal School Board Podcast. I'm Barry Morgan. And don't forget, for all the latest news and information, follow the EMSB on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at EnglishMTL.